you are listening to The Wellness Project. I'm your host, Des, and this is episode number 125. If you enjoy my podcast, I would greatly appreciate it if you would head over to iTunes or Spotify or both and leave me a review. It helps the podcast to grow. Thank you so much for being with me here today. I'm really excited about today's episode. I am speaking with Ellen Line. She is an LCSWC and she is the founder of Roar Wellness. On today's episode, Ellen and I are discussing trauma, relational trauma, and complex trauma. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm so excited for you to hear it. So help me welcome Ellen. All right, everyone. I am here with Ellen Line. Ellen, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh my gosh. Thanks. I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to speaking with you today. So today we are going to be talking a lot about trauma and healing. Mm -hmm. And I'd love you're a psychotherapist. So I would love for you to introduce Mm -hmm. yourself and let our listeners Mm -hmm. know how you got into mental health and your journey into becoming a therapist. I am a therapist in Baltimore, Maryland, and I I specialize in helping individuals heal around not good enoughness, around anxiety, and around trauma. And I've recently kind of started delving into helping queer and poly couples kind of navigate building secure attachment and healing their relationships. So that's like a little bit about my practice and how I got there is feels like a long story sometimes, but I'll give the abridged version. I'm 18. I'm trying to decide what I want to do with my life. And I was absolutely a theater kid and thought that that was going to be my thing. And then through like college and then some experiences afterwards, sort of roundabout way, end up discovering social work and feeling like, wow, this is really awesome. Some of those things that I was really excited about with theater, like accessing emotion and using art to change the world, I was seeing happen in what I was learning in social work. That kind of got me into thinking about being a healer. And then it took a little bit longer for me to kind of fully transition from like trying to be an artist to becoming a therapist. But I went back to school uh, during grad school, really kind of felt drawn to helping folks heal trauma. But that is a big component of my practice now. Oh, great. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. So to get us started, can you let our listeners know what trauma Mm -hmm. is? The definition that I like to use when I'm thinking about trauma is trauma is any experience that we have that overwhelms our brain and our body's ability to process the experience. Lots of people are talking about trauma these days, right? Like, we're like trauma, 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 trauma. And sometimes I think what we talk about as trauma is actually sort of like our body, our brain and our body's response to trauma. But yeah, when I think about trauma, it's like any event or like a repeated series of events that overwhelms our brain and our body's ability to process it. Yes, absolutely. And something that's interesting, and you're right, a lot of people are talking about trauma right now. And it's almost like this buzzword, I feel like right now. And yes, yeah. And something that's really interesting to me is that two people could witness the exact same event, and one can leave the event traumatized and the other will not. Can you explain to our listeners why you think that is? 
you know, humans, we are complex, right? We're all different. We all have slightly different makeups in our personality, in our genes, in our life experiences. You know, for example, I work a lot with like, kind of like relational trauma, right? And so for example, one person might have a parent who's like kind of absent in their in their life. And that has a really huge impact on them based on who they are as a person and how that parent interacted with them. And based on like kind of their predisposition, like their personality. And another person might experience that. And maybe if they had sort of a slightly different constellation of early life experiences and a slightly different personality makeup, maybe slightly different genes, right? They're going to have a different response to that parent. Oh, great. Thank you so much for explaining that. And I like that you brought up Mm -hmm. relational trauma. Can you explain what Mm -hmm. relational trauma is? Yeah. You know, I think for a long time, we would think about trauma as kind of these like big earth shattering events, right? Like a car crash or being in a war zone as like a a soldier, weather event, car crash, you know, we think of these like kind of big events as traumatic. With relational trauma, it looks a little different, right? It's not one big major event, but it's often kind of accumulation of small moments or even micro moments between a parent and a child, a caregiver and a child, between, I think this can happen between partners, sometimes I think between friends uh, or like peer groups growing up where one person is kind of interacting with another person in a way that overwhelms one person in the interaction's ability, or maybe both people in the case of partners, it overwhelms those folks' ability to kind of process it, right? And so then over time, it's like our brain is is kind of existing in this state of overwhelm. And I think that the impact that that can have on our psyche looks a little different than the impact of those kind of like big traumatic events that we think, like, I think historically and sort of traditionally have thought of as traumatic. Thank you so much for explaining that because I think just with, trauma being so much in the media right now and the news, just everybody's talking about it. I think there is still this kind of misconception about what it is. And Mm -hmm. so I'm so glad you're here today to explain it and educate us because I think that we're starting to get more awareness, but we still have a ways to go. So we brought up trauma, we brought up relational trauma. And Mm -hmm. so I want to talk a bit about CPTSD. Can you explain Mm -hmm. what that is? I think at least in my practice, I feel like there's like a kind of an overlap between relational trauma and CPTSD, um, or I think that they're, they're like kind of similar. So CPTSD is something that like trauma experts, folks who like are, you know, study trauma, have dedicated their lives to healing trauma. Everyone's like, oh yeah, complex PTSD, this is a thing, is different than what we have in the DSM, which the DSM is like the basically the big book of checklists that helps us give folks mental health diagnoses. So we have in the DSM PTSD, which is kind of characterized by having this history of trauma, feeling like you have this like life threatening experience, kind of hypervigilance, kind of always checking around for your safety. Some like mood swings can be part of PTSD. So we have that in the DSM. We also have complex PTSD, which is sort of like 
practitioners recognize and think about and talk about, but we, it's not, it hasn't made it into the DSM yet. To get in the DSM, a diagnosis has to be empirically tested. There has to be a lot of research that kind of validates like, yes, this is a thing. Everyone agrees or, or the folks who are practicing agree that CPTSD is a thing. That just hasn't quite happened for CPTSD yet. But it has some of those same features as PTSD that is in the DSM. So I think what folks who tend to to practice, who see a lot of folks in their practice who have relational trauma or who have CPTSD, is that there, there tends to be some of the same things that exist with PTSD around seeking safety, around maybe not having a lot of spaces where you feel safe or, or feeling like there's always maybe like this threat looming, that those are present. But then I think there's also kind of some pretty significant impacts to the way that we understand ourselves that tend to show up with CPTSD or relational trauma that are less common or less like a feature of PTSD that's in the DSM, right? So this is where we might experience folks who have like a deep sense of I'm not worthy, right? Or a deep sense of I'm not good enough or a deep sense of I'm unlovable, right? And that comes from having over time these experiences where like over and over and over again, your brain received that message from those little, those moments or those micro moments, those interactions that weren't meeting your needs. And that over time, the sort of message that you took away from that was I'm unlovable, I'm unworthy, I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. This kind of segues into my next question too. So you brought up the mood swings, the hypervigilance, mm-hmm. that feeling of mm-hmm. not feeling good enough. What mm-hmm. other kinds of common symptoms of trauma are you seeing with your clients? For some folks, it can look like a lot of irritability, anxiety. I think for some folks, especially with like complex relational trauma, our emotions can feel either like non-existent or like uh, really far away. We can feel kind of numb to our emotions or it might feel like our emotions are huge. Like anytime I get upset, it's overwhelming. I don't know what to do with myself. I'm maybe using coping skills that aren't great because the emotion is so overwhelming. I think that sort of like underlying self-belief of I'm not lovable I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough. And then sometimes what that ends up looking like in our day-to-day life is sort of a strategy that's trying to protect us from that belief. So we might be we might be perfectionists, right? It's like, if I am just always on my A game, then I won't feel unworthy anymore, right? So perfectionism, sometimes it looks like people pleasing. Sometimes it looks like really easy kind of jumping into running away from situations, avoiding situations, or wanting to like fight situations. I think that's really good for people to know how trauma can show up in the different areas of their life. And so something that I know that we had emailed about and something that you're passionate about talking about is that we know being in the mental health fields that Therapy is not accessible for everybody, um, whether your, yeah. your insurance dictates how many sessions that you get. Um, some, a lot of therapists are only using cash pay now because of issues with insurance and community clinics have long wait lists. I mean, it's endless. There's a lot of, there's a lot of issues. So 
Do you think that people are capable of healing from trauma outside of therapy? Because I know a lot of people know that they have these traumatic experiences, whether they're diagnosed with PTSD or not. Some people Mm -hmm. feel that they're almost like a lost cause and this is just how Mm. they are and they need to struggle with these symptoms and there's kind of no light Mm. at the end of the tunnel. I don't think that therapy and psychiatry or like the mental health field as a whole have like a monopoly on our healing experiences. For me, I've had healing experiences all over the place, right? Like I can think of yoga classes that were deeply transformative or moments in relationships that have felt really healthy that have reversed some of some of the impacts of complex trauma right or i think of you know just in my work too sometimes getting to have an experience where i'm i'm supporting someone else that feels deeply healing moments in nature touching in and listening to my intuition or listening to my body right so i'm t- i'm talking about like these are some of the experiences that have been healing for me but i think that Again, people are complex and what is healing for each person can look different, but it doesn't only have to be therapy, right? It doesn't only have to be psychiatry. I think, of course, obviously I'm a therapist. I believe in what we do. I think that therapy is can be deeply healing for many, many people. And I think it's not the only place where we can access healing, right? And so if for whatever reason, therapy is like out of reach right now, I think there's so many things that we can do to support ourselves, to work on our healing, to work on our growth, looking at these patterns, looking at how we think about ourselves, looking at how we talk to ourselves and trying to make shifts and all of that. Oh, I love that. And I fully agree. I I just fully, fully agree. And I like that you said that healing looks different for everyone. So how do you think somebody can start identifying what is healing for them? That's such a good question. I think if if we can kind of reflect on what are the moments in my life or where are the places in my life or what are the relationships where I feel kind of most myself, where I feel most calm, where I feel safe, where I feel maybe like some ease or some lightness in my body. I think that can kind of help often help kind of point us in a direction and then giving yourself permission to kind of lean into those places, those activities, those relationships that bring that sense of ease, safety, freedom, or like self-acceptance, I guess. And I think for some of us, We might have to start with, how do I even know what ease, safety, self-acceptance feels like, right? Some of us haven't had enough experiences of that to be able to like kind of readily notice when it's happening in our day to day. And so if that's you, I would suggest try to start there and maybe try to be intentional about like, what happens if I relax my body? Or what happens if I put myself in an environment that I know for sure, like nothing bad is going to happen to me? And is it possible to access a sense of safety there? Or can I go somewhere in my mind? Can I imagine some place that feels really safe or calming or soothing? Can I think of maybe one person in my life, even if it was a teacher or uh, like a 
friend or a mentor who I feel safe with or who I feel like more myself with and kind of starting there and trying to build from that. Oh, I love that. That is such a great point. And I love that before you mentioned that different ways that people may find healing or transformative or yoga moments in nature. Mm -hmm. And do you have any Mm -hmm. other ideas or recommendations for people that maybe your clients have said, or I know we're going to get into created an online healing space, maybe something Mm -hmm. that people have mentioned that are healing for them? Oh my gosh, so many. So Oh my gosh, this is, I'm like, I'm I'm like smiling. I get really excited just like thinking and talking about this stuff, right? So I'm just like feeling really warm in my heart. Like, oh my gosh, all the healing things. Yeah, I think there are kind of like practices, behavior, like behavior things that really work for folks like yoga, like moving our bodies, like getting out in nature, like hiking. I think for some of us, there are like different healing kind of like rituals or practices that feel really good, like journaling or writing letters to our younger selves or letters to our future selves, maybe having some practices around like, I'm going to light some candles and try to quiet my mind, right? I'm going to light some incense and smell how good it smells. Maybe taking really nice long baths. I think for some folks, like if it's accessible to you, getting a massage or getting like a facial can be a healing experience. I think for some folks, relaxing with a group of friends can be a healing experience, right? Like I think sometimes we can get a little limited in what we think of as a healing experience, but there's so much of life I think that can be healing if we let it. I think for some people, it's around like kind of creating a place for themselves. Maybe that's getting an apartment in a neighborhood that you love or setting aside a corner of your bedroom that's just like your joy corner and covering it in things that you like. Um, For some folks, making art, music and expressing or poetry and writing or making visual art so many ideas. Also like kind of thinking about online communities, right? Like so many of the folks I work with have been like, oh my gosh, I saw this video on TikTok and it changed my life. Or like, I'm seeing all this stuff on TikTok about X thing. And I think I I might have that, right? And it helps us reflect on ourselves in a new way. So I think finding folks on the internet that you can trust who are kind of putting out good stuff in the world or stuff that kind of resonates with some of the things that you're working with you know, on TikTok or Instagram, Facebook, Facebook groups, like folks have mentioned specific Facebook groups that have been helpful for them. The online community that I host is the Roar Wellness community, and it's a community that's focused on healing and growth. That's like my little corner of the internet that's trying to be a space for healing. But I think like for some folks, like group coaching, since three years ago, everything went online. I think some of these things have become more accessible for folks. Thinking about trying to find folks who feel aligned with your values or feel like they are kind of connected to what you are working on, how you want to grow, and then giving yourself permission to explore what it is that that person is offering. I think that can be really healing. And another way to kind of bridge the gap if one-on-one therapy is inaccessible. Oh, great. Yeah. Those are such great suggestions. And I love that. I really do think that 
because everything has gone online and just where we are in our society today, that healing is a lot more accessible. And I know there's, you know, the two sides of every coin. A lot of people think, you know, being chronically online is bad for our mental health, but we can create those healing spaces online such as you did. And I would love to hear more about that. If you could explain to our listeners what you do online and how you created that healing space. Yeah. So this is really informed by, I went through a program that was offered by a nonprofit in Baltimore that was designed to kind of help small businesses to increase their impact uh, in the work that they were doing. And we started off with interviewing folks who might be interested in working with us, right? And I was interviewing folks, mostly my friends. Thanks, guys, you know who you are. (laughs) But friends and other folks too, who were interested in talking to me about like, if I were going to expand outside of one-on-one therapy, what kind of healing space or what kind of healing program would work for you? And literally every single person that I talked to was like, you know, I want to do this work in community. And so I was like, okay, cool. So that got my wheels turning. Cause before I had been thinking about a different structure, And then once literally everyone was like, I want to do this in community, I was like, okay, I need to find a platform that can really facilitate that and ended up finding through like another community that I'm a participant in this platform called Circle. And I think of it as kind of like a streamlined Facebook. It's more focused. It obviously doesn't have ads. So the the way that it works is there's all these different kind of like spaces or kind of it's like maybe a forum or different discussion boards and they have different purposes. And so inside the community, I think the thing that folks like the most and have talked about as being the most helpful is um, twice a week, I send out a growth question. And so it's kind of like a journaling prompt or like just a question, a reflection question. Those come out to your email through the community twice a week. And folks have talked about like, this really helps me. Sometimes it lines up with the themes I'm talking about with my therapist. And so I can reflect on it outside of therapy. Or it's like, yeah, this helps me stay focused on thinking about how am I healing and growing. So that's one thing. There's a monthly kind of like growth circle where we have a check-in. We might do a healing practice and discussion time. There's like a lot in there. There's like some guided meditations, some coloring pages, a discussion board where we can like bring thoughts, questions, concerns. I'm experimenting with kind of adding different things. So like it's very much we're kind of building and growing together right now. Oh, that's great. I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And everyone, I'm going to put all of Ellen's links in the show notes. So you could definitely go find her. Ellen, this has been so great. Just as a, just for some parting words of wisdom, what words of wisdom or advice do you have for our listeners that they want to heal, but they feel stuck or they feel like they can't, or they don't know where to start? If you are like, I want to work on my healing and I don't know where to start. I would encourage you to think about like, what do you already like and maybe start there, right? So if you're like, well, I like to scroll Instagram, find a few accounts who are talking about what you're trying to heal and follow those accounts. And like over time, you might realize like, oh, I actually really like this person more than that person. It's okay to unfollow. If you love to read, maybe pick a book. If you are an artist, maybe you start with what would it look like? 
to be intentional about kind of trying to bring this healing energy into my art. I think journaling is an amazing practice for most many folks, maybe not everybody, but many folks. I would say like, write down some of your thoughts, feelings, questions, what you're noticing about yourself and how you show up in the world and trying to do that like somewhat consistently. I don't, it doesn't have to be every day, but like maybe you kind of are checking in with yourself on a regular-ish basis. I think if you're feeling stuck, I always think of, I think of stuckness as sometimes being connected to, to trauma, right? So if you're feeling stuck, maybe thinking back, when was the first time I ever felt stuck? right? What was going on in my life at that point? And what might my brain and my body be holding on to from back then that they're still holding on to now? And I would say for everybody, like, don't let the mental health field convince you that the only place you can heal is in therapy. Therapy is great. It's important. It will help you if you find a good therapist who's like on your wavelength and you can trust and really be honest with. And it's not the only thing. You can find healing in other places. And I think that we all kind of have to figure out like, what is our puzzle of wellness or what is our puzzle of healing, right? So like therapy might be a piece, meds might be a piece, an online community might be a piece, walking in the woods might be a piece, yoga class might be a piece spending time with our sister who's always really nice to us might be a piece, right? There's just like, we all kind of, I just permission to kind of figure out what your pieces are, how they fit together. Know that it's going to shift and change throughout your life, right? But that you deserve and and you get to find that for yourself. Oh, such great advice. Ellen, thank you so much for being here today. I appreciate it so much. I think it's going to be so helpful for people to hear. I really appreciate it. Would you be able to share with our listeners where they can find you? So I'm on Instagram at Roar Wellness Co. Um, my website is roarwellness.co. Um, those are probably the two easiest places to find me. I'm also on Facebook if you're a Facebook person. Also Roar Wellness Co. All right. Great. And like I said before, everybody, all those links will be in the show notes. So definitely go check out Ellen. Ellen, thank you so much for being here today. Oh my gosh. Thanks for having me. Ellen, thank you so much for being here today, talking about trauma, educating us about the different types of trauma. This conversation is so needed, so important. So thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Every episode of The Wellness Project has an episode page full of the detailed show notes, all the links where you can find my amazing guest, Ellen. So definitely go check her out. You can find all those links and the detailed show notes at accordingtodes.com forward slash 125. Make sure you sign up for my mailing list so I can keep you in the know about everything that I have going on, everything that I'm up to, new blog posts, the latest podcast episodes, different offers, different freebies. And speaking of freebies, when you sign up, you will get your free weekly wellness checklist, which you can download and print over and over and over again. So make sure you go and snag that. Make sure you're following me on Instagram and become a part of my Facebook community. I'm in there every day with mental health content. And again, all those links are in the show notes. So definitely go check that out. It's again, accordingtodes.com forward slash 125. Thanks for hanging out with me today. I will see you in two weeks with another amazing guest. 